0: This is Democracy on the Move. (music) Democracy on the Move is a podcast tribute to the people and organizations who dare to reimagine our nation and drive it back to its original promise of democracy. This episode is being released on Sunday, November 6, 2022, I'm Dan Schaefer, your host for today's podcast, and thank you for joining us. We have a special guest for today's podcast. We talk with Jojo Stewart about the challenges of being a progressive in the Ozarks. But first, a couple of announcements. Remember to vote this Tuesday, November 8th. That's coming up right away. It's not too late to get up to speed on the people and issues that you'll see on your ballot check out Vote411.org. You'll find a wealth of nonpartisan information about the candidates and issues that you'll see on your ballot this week. Vote411.org is sponsored by the League of Women Voters. And you know, it doesn't take a genius to figure out that money injects corruption into our government. If you're as concerned about it as I am, then check out Move to Amend. Move to Amend is an organization dedicated to passing a constitutional amendment to end corporate rule, and the corrupting influence of big money in elections. You can find Move to Amend online at movetoamend.org. So joining us now is Jojo Stewart. She's a mom in a rural area in the Ozarks in southern Missouri. She's a rebel in the sense that she's a progressive swimming in a sea of conservatives. She recently became politically active after spending some time at a pro-choice protest that she organized and getting acquainted with Tara Honora and Randy McCallion, both of whom are running for office this month and also appeared on this podcast recently. She started writing letters to the editor and found a bit of notoriety in doing so, and she started a blog that's distinctly small town in its origins, but deals with issues that have nationwide impact. We're here to talk today to get some idea of what it's like to be a progressive voice in such a deeply conservative area. So, Jojo, uh, thanks for joining us on Democracy on the Move, and welcome to the program.
1: Well, thank you for having me.
0: Good. So here you are, you're, you're living in a rural area. And, you know, before we started recording, I thought I heard a train in the background, too. And it's um, probably... You, some...
1: you absolutely did. It's too nice to sit inside, so I wanted to be outside. But yeah, you did hear a train.
0: Okay, good, good. And um, so you're living in this rural area, and perhaps uh, in within perhaps the most conservative part of the nation... Uh, an area that I would say is full of gun-loving, God-fearing Christian Republicans, and that's not meant to be a, you know, a, a, a disrespectful or anything. But I think that's just sort of the reality. And you seem to be a progressive, yet your Twitter background and the homepage of your blog has the phrase from from Woodrow Wilson that says, "The history of liberty is a history of resistance." So, uh, first of all, who are you, and and um, how do you square the history of liberty being, uh, or history of liberty as a history of resistance?
1: Mom, I mean, I, I don't know how else to say, um,
0: but you're quite politically you, active, right?
1: Yeah, I, I am. It's just really hard to describe because I don't like talking about myself honestly. Yeah, you know, yeah. but when you've got kids coming from a parent's perspective, you want the world to be a little bit better of a place, be it you help your neighbors because they've got something going on or you know, you're down at, you know, your uh, local food bank, you know, donating your time, trying to help them get food baskets or whatever. So it's all about making more change, better changes for, you know, my kids so they don't have to grow up, you know, thinking, well, what did my mom do?
0: Right. Right.
1: Thank you for this. Right. So there's that. And when you live here, you're constantly, and I, no, you're saying we're super progressive. We're not all that super progressive it, down here. We just want our basic necessities, you know, like better internet, better roads, more funding for education, you know, keep the cops on the street. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it's not like overly progressive like you'd see out in like California, for example. Right, know, right. so, it, It's just...
0: Well, I mean, the, the motivations... The, the motivations Go that ahead. you have, though, are are pretty much the same motivations for e- even people living in California. I lived out there for almost 30 years myself. And, you know, everybody wants, uh, you know, better education. Everybody's worried about their children and what type of a world they're going to grow up in. And it's interesting that I, I think, you know, that that is that being concerned about those issues can really be considered progressive and I think it's a testament not to um, what the word progressive means, but more uh, to how conservative and how backwards our country has gone. That you know, that the parents actually have to worry about about their children in this way. You know, are they going to get shot in school? Are they going to get uh, Are they going to get a good education? Um, are they going to grow up healthy? Is is healthcare available? These things that I think you know. They're not necessarily progressive, but unfortunately, by contrast, by the way the rest of the country is going these days, they, they seem to be progressive, don't they?
1: Yeah. And I think, honestly, I know around here, those kind of issues are kind of what bonds us all together, even though we're extremely conservative. Mm-hmm. People are starting to see, you know, hey, we got potholes the size of the continent of Asia. Yeah. Why isn't our state doing anything? Um you know, our teachers aren't being paid enough. They're starting to see. So there is our common ground. Mm-hmm. And so I try not to use the word progressive because it's since they immediately see up thing like Fox News progressive yeah. definition. And it's like, no, we're, yeah. we're trying to get you a hand up, not a handout.
0: Yeah. That's a good you way know. of putting it.
1: And. Yeah. and <laughs> ow. Yeah. <laughs> and you have cats sorry, and I dogs, I see too. <laughs> yeah, my barn cats like to be under my feet all the time. Sorry.
2: Oh. Um.
1: Yeah. You know. So basically, you know, it's uh, just finding that common ground so we can improve. Yeah. Well, what? You know, what do I, you?
0: What do you mean when you say the history of liberty is the history of resistance? Because I find that interesting. And just to frame it a little bit better here, that was it was uttered by Woodrow Wilson and i had, you know you you got me ju- you got me uh inspired to look this up so i went back and looked at some of the speeches of woodrow wilson and this particular speech came up in the year 1912 which is right in the middle of what we call the progressive era and in the progressive era we had like uh, you know women's rights uh culminating in, in uh, our, uh what was that uh, the 19th amendment we had uh unions coming on to their own we had uh Child labor laws, you know, anti—I should say—anti-child labor laws coming out, uh, antitrust laws coming out, a very progressive era there, and um, and yet, you know, I think even when Woodrow Wilson uh, uttered this phrase, "The history of liberty is a history of resistance," which is part of a much larger speech, he took some heat over that because the feeling at that time was that the progressive doctrine uh, really spoke more about governmental intervention for the general welfare as being justifiable. So so getting back to it, I don't want I don't want to go off digress on this too much, but I think it's interesting that you say the history of liberty is a history of resistance because what are you resisting there at, at, at this point, or what do you feel you're resisting?
1: Uh well MOLEG <laughs> MOLEG <laughs> we'll Missouri
0: legislature. Yeah.
1: MOLEG the, you know the whole G O P that is Constantly, you know, overstepping its bounds. Yeah. I mean, going this is, and they've been doing that since what 2010 with Prop, I think it was Prop B and the Puppy Bill.
2: Mm-hmm. Bill.
1: They after it had been voted in that it got gutted, and they rewrote it basically, and then signed it into law under Jay Nixon. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's just a fight.
2: Yeah.
1: And. And you're constantly having to resist something because it's not for the betterment of everybody. It's only a, the betterment for a select few. Yeah. And when you've got a population like ours down here that's kind of scattered, but we're here, mm-hmm. you know, and you see so much like poverty and all that, you, you kind of just, you got to resist because at the end
2: of the day they're going to start
1: coming for everybody. Yeah. If that makes
0: sense. No, that that makes perfect sense and that really is interesting in my mind because the, the GOP would be would call themselves conservative, but they're not uh in a sense, you know, cuz no. cuz you feel that you have to resist them and 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 you know, the other part of Woodrow Wilson's speech uh hit the nail on the head when he said something like um Liberty has always come from the subjects of the government. The history of liberty is a history of resistance. The history of liberty is a history of the limitation of governmental power, not the increase of it. And so yeah. if you if the GOP is going to call themselves conservative, they seem like they're growing government. I mean, the most blatant result recently, or the most blatant um, effect recently, has been over women's rights. Oh,
1: definitely. And the thing what I don't, think people actually realize is when the state put implemented that ban it virtually took away everybody's right to, to privacy men don't think it affects them but it does oh absolutely I mean, yeah. Yeah. The, you know because um, i think with that particular topic everybody gets on the emotional roller coaster and sees all these pictures of babies and you know that's not really Found in the land of facts as much as his fantasy. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so they're going off their emotional state rather than saying, hey, they just took my right to privacy. Yeah. Now they can make me take that vaccine mandate I didn't want, you know, or now they can enforce those masks. Yeah. You know, not saying that no leg would do that, but they very well could. Right and i just don't think people are looking at it exactly in that scope right. as understanding, you know, this is a lot bigger issue than just you know, letting women have in their own body autonomy. I mean, it it's going to affect everybody at some point.
0: Yeah. So. Well, we um and and we're referring to here just for everybody's uh, information, Missouri was one of the first actually was the first Of the states uh, that implemented what's called a trigger law, and that basically triggered an absolute ban on abortion right after the Roe v. Wade decision came down over the summer, and with very few exceptions. And and this case came up recently now, which was not too far from you. You're not too far from, well, relatively close, I guess, to Springfield, Missouri, but we had a case in yeah. Springfield, Missouri, where a pregnant woman needed an abortion to save her life, and there were some complications there. I can go into, but it's just suffice it to say that um, the the pregnancy was was lost at that point after 17 weeks. It was lost, and now I recognize that the, that the state does carve out exceptions in these dire situations, and, and there is protection at the federal level as well. I've been recently reminded of, but in this particular case. The hospital first, the hospital was afraid to work on her. They first had to declare that the mother's life was in imminent danger, which technically it wasn't at that moment. The situation could have gone sideways in a matter of hours. She could have gone septic or, you know, something horrible could have happened. She could have bled to death before they even had a chance to get to her. But the problem is that the lawyers stepped in the middle of a dire medical situation And this woman, her name, she made it public now. She's, um, you know, her name is Melissa Farmer. And she was, uh, she ended up having to go to Illinois uh, to get the procedure done. And she was very enraged at the treatment that she received, not by the doctors, but by the lawmakers and the lawyers. Uh, And so she politically attacked the attorney general, a guy by the name of Eric Schmidt, who, by the way, is running for U.S. Senate, and of course, you know Eric Schmidt. If you know anything about him, he's not the type to let this thing ride, right? He he uh, he used the office of the attorney general to hit back by attempting to block this information from being used in political ads. Uh, he was unsuccessful because I was watching the football game last Sunday and <laughs> I saw the ad come on. <laughs> but uh, well, I was at the gym actually, you know, kind of watching the football game and working out. But I was probably watching the game more than working out. But anyways. Um, the overall picture is quite ugly you know no matter which way you look at it from. So let me ask you this this, this drama is I'm sure known in your area. How is it working out or how's it playing out in your neck of the woods?
1: Um, uh, nobody's really actually said anything and a lot of that has to do with some of the um, lack of information. That is our biggest fight here is getting information on. Mm -hmm. Anything, because well, not everybody uses Twitter or Facebook or whatever. But most people around here are not fond of Schmidt at all Mm -hmm. in anything, and you know, so this case just kind of adds to it. Yeah. And
0: well, why are they not? um, I mean, Eric Schmidt is is the GOP candidate. you know, he, he tries to flash his conservative credentials every opportunity he gets. So why would he not be embraced in your area there? Just out of curiosity.
1: I, you know, people are tired. They're tired of the magma, people being ugly. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just tired of it. Uh, and that's the only way I can describe it is they're just, you know, they're it they're kind of getting the grass but you know it's getting too extreme this is not what what they grew up in keep in mind most of my most of the people around here are uh i hate to use the word boomer but they are they're they fall in that category of boomer
0: mm-hmm.
1: few gen xers
0: <laughs> yeah I'm you a know, boomer, by the way, so, so
1: yeah, yes. no, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to <laughs> offend <know. get> you.
0: <laughs> hey, wait a minute, I'm a boomer. No, that's okay. I, I, it's, uh, I got the experience you
1: know, with me. So, yeah.
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, because a lot of folks, they're older and, you know, it's not, it doesn't align with how they believe. Yeah. Which is kind of probably a blessing in disguise. Yeah. Um.
0: So you, you think mean, you think the uh, GOP has gone too far then, or something with with this messaging and with the negativity?
1: Yeah, I do, and I'll use Jason Smith as an example. Mm-hmm. I've only seen two signs of his political campaign signs, where, like in 2016, you know, they were everywhere. Yeah, like Republican signs everywhere. Yeah. You don't see any of that here. Wow! I've seen Trudy signs, that, and the one I one of the signs I did see between here and West Plains was taken down. Oh today. wow,
0: wow! No, no. Yeah. Jason Smith. Just for everyone's um, information, Jason Smith is the current um, representative of District Eight of Missouri. He's uh, part of the GOP, and he's been there. I think he was first elected back in twenty twelve and he's uh, being a representative, he's up for election every two years. So so he's running this year again against Randy McCallion.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay. But I mean, let me ask you, let me flip the tables a little bit though. I mean, how does, how does, how does how do the Democrats look? I mean, we, we kind of see where the GOP is maybe overstepping themselves, but how are the Democrats looking there?
1: Uh, what Democrats?
0: Yeah, yeah, good point, yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I, and I'm not dogging the party, but the state party pulled out of, and this is happening across the state too. I mean, mm. it's just not here. But they left us about 20 years ago. Yeah. Isn't that and amazing. You yeah. know you. Yeah, I know. And our seats still are going uncontested. Yeah. Um.
0: Yeah. Well, we have even, a. We, we even have, our. Oh, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, our committee, our county committee, is even inactive. They're only active during presidential election years.
0: Wow. That's I mean, it's fascinating to me, and and it's not a it's not a unique story. I've been reading this in a lot of different places, particularly in the rural areas. The Democrats are just pulling out, and but you know, I live in a in a suburb of St. Louis. I'm I'm right on the edge of a rural area here, and it's um, we had an uncontested seat as well. We had we just have a Republican running for a state senate seat, I mean a state uh, state representative seat, and uncontested, you know. And Mary Elizabeth Coleman, one of my most favorite people, favorite in quotes, I guess. I,
2: I uh, for, bet she, she is.
0: <laughs> well, she's well, she has competition this time. Uh, what she's running as a state senator this time, she's getting some competition from a Democrat. But it took a long time to find that Democrat because I talked to the, to the Democratic uh, committee here about that. And I also talked to him about the fact that, you know, my representative position has no opposition at all. And, and you know, why is that? And he said, well, we can't find anybody. And like, so so I asked him a question. I said, what if I were to run as a Democrat? And what would I have to do? And he said, well, you need to go out and raise money. <laughs> it was like the first words out of his mouth, It's like, come on, man, what are you guys going to do for me? How are you going to help me? Are going to coach me? Are going to teach me how to do this stuff? I mean, you know, you, you want me to give you money. And that's um, and this isn't a unique experience either. I've talked to other uh, people who've run as, for Democratic um, representative positions here as well. And they're forced to give money to the to the DNC and they don't get anything back from it. And I'm like, well, what is this, some sort um, of a money-making scheme or something? And and you come down to your area there in Howell County, and it's like, they're not even showing up.
1: And, you know, and I call them hardliner Democrats Mm because they want to follow the, you know, national platform. And I've had a few resistance with that, too, because they're not really big on this whole, hey, let's help our neighbor thing. Yeah. (laughs) And I don't understand it. Yeah. It's like, well, because what works for California's population isn't going to work for, you know, down here in rural Missouri. Not at all. It, it's, no. And I was like, so people are going to keep rejecting that. So there definitely needs to be a whole. And I think we're seeing a lot of that right now. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of rebranding and just putting some decency back into what folks can relate to.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, you said yeah. something earlier, too, which which I want to follow up on. You said there's a lack of information there. Uh, it, does that mean that, uh, like, are there any local newspapers in your area? Or, I mean, where, where do people get their information from? They, do they have to, like, um, put up a big TV antenna and try to pull something in from Springfield or something? Or, or?
1: Yeah, kind of. Wow. We have KY3. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, our local radio stations have their little news broadcasting thing. And then... We have one local paper, the one I wrote uh, letters to the editor for mm-hmm. and then we have another one in in my little town and it's a conservative paper a lot of our local papers are conservative
0: right are they are they controlled yeah. by uh, larger organizations or are they stand on their own in in, in the local area uh,
1: I think think the quill stands on our own their own and I No, um, Howe County News is uh, independently owned. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's just getting people to actually look into things.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, one of the things I've heard, and I I listen to Ralph Nader's uh, radio uh, podcast, and um, one of the things he talks about a lot is that there's a disappearance of local news that it is um, these local papers get bought out by the big papers and they can just, you know, uh, put a lot of the messaging and control a lot of the messaging from a highly centralized area rather than actually getting the messaging from the people in the area. So it's it's interesting. Yeah, that, that and uh, I,
1: yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, and like I said, a lot of our local papers are conservatively owned and they put that right on the head, you know, a header, mm-hmm. yeah. Conservative, conservative news. I was like, well, no way, that's controlling the narrative there.
0: <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, though, I mean, you have this thing that we talked about earlier about you know what is a conservative versus what the GOP has become these days, and um, I think the two are diverging quite a bit. I mean, you know, to the point where you put a history of liberty is a history of resistance, you know, on your on your on your blog header page. Um, you know, it's, it's almost like you have to resist this so-called, I'm doing air quotes here, uh, conservative, uh, (laughs) party here because they are not conservative in the sense that they're, they're really dictating a lot of things at this point, especially to women. Uh, They're
1: the party of bigger government and Mm -hmm. it's something I'll, I'll give you that. It's, something it's yeah. like what happened to smaller government
2: yeah. yeah
1: why Why are you in my business you know yeah you're supposed to oppose federalism but nope here we are state yeah. level <laughs>
0: yeah exactly so um let's switch over to your blog i mentioned that shortly or i mentioned that a short time ago right. um you had this blog recently how to say thank you to a vet could you Describe what you're getting at in that blog post. I mean, what type of warnings are you saying that that the veterans are giving to us, and why should we listen to them?
1: Yeah. Why? Well, first, it's just respectful to listen to your vet. Yeah. <laughs> but you look at the ones I've mentioned; they are literally screaming and fighting from different states about um, how. Um the warning signs of what's to come.
2: Mm-hmm. it
1: should gop get full power again
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you stop and think about it they they marched in places where they've seen those kind of governments happen yeah overnight yeah you know they've seen the consequences of it they're like hey we didn't sign up for that not not to fight for it back at home you know
0: yeah so they, and i go ahead Go ahead. I was going to say, so they're coming back with a warning as to, you know, what could happen if we keep going down this path? Is that what you're saying?
1: Uh, Yeah, Mm -hmm. more or less. And it's like we really should be listening to him. Fred Wells is another one. I mean, he's about as blunt as they come, and he's he's really, hey, (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. you know. Yeah. So – um, how about how about the war itself? I mean, because there's a lot of people, you know, the extremists at this end, you know, the ones that are that are taking action, you know, the Proud Boys and so on. Um, it's almost like they're itching for some sort of like civil war or something like that. I mean, is that?
1: I would have to agree, and I feel crazy and like I should be in a tinfoil hat when I say that, but it definitely does. And if you look at our current ballot measures. Mm-hmm. And how the state wants to nullify federal gun laws with SAPA.
0: Yeah. That's the uh, Second Amendment Protection Act. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> yep. And how they want to um you know, how that's even constitutional is beyond me because of the supremacy clause. Yeah. That nobody likes to talk about. <laughs>
0: yeah. The supremacy clause of the um, you know, uh, of the constitution, which basically says um Everything you know, the the federal government is really kind of the laws of the federal government are um, overlays everything else, and then yeah. and then the states have their
1: supersedes the state.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly.
1: You know, it, it's kind of like they're trying to pick a fight. And I bet if we were to look back at you know the actual Civil War, some states have similar laws. Mm-hmm. If we were to look back, I haven't explored that avenue yet. But uh, the way it's itching and starting to line up, it, it definitely looks like they're trying to pick a fight.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Wow. You know, pre- you know, with the, please everybody vote no. I think it's Amendment 5 on giving the state its own private army. We don't need that. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. Lots of reasons.
0: Well, that's, uh, that Governor DeSantis has been trying to do that in Florida, too. Put together his own private army. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's all that law, is, all that ballot measured is for.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's like, no, that, that needs to say where it's at. It's not broken. Let's not fix it.
0: Yeah. How does everybody else in your area feel about that, though? I mean, is, is everybody getting militarized, or are they feeling the, uh, the, the anger that much, that they're, that they're willing to take up arms, or whatever they have to do?
1: No. Mm-hmm. I mean, people around here, they have their ARs, but they don't tote them around. Yeah. They, you know, that you might see a picture on Facebook. Hey, look what I got! And then that might be it. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't see any of that crazy, like you've seen up, like in St. Louis earlier last, what was it, last year, and earlier this year. Yeah. You don't see that here. I mean, granted, we just assume everybody's packing anyway, but <laughs> yeah, because we feel like they're done, but they're not running around in uh, tactical gear and looking like they came off of, you know, Ghost Recon. Yeah. They're yeah. just not doing it. Yeah. You know? They're they're not I don't think these people around here are ready to fight for the lost cause, so to speak, and I use their folks with that. So <laughs> Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well I mean it's 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 uh, so I mean if they don't support the direction that the GOP is taking these days. I mean, why would they feel incentivized to do anything? But I think you know one of the things I, that that the GOP tries to do, and the Democrats too. I mean, I think GOP is far more um, uh, guilty of this, is instilling fear in everybody. You know that they they'll say things like, you um, know, uh, the border security. We've got you know these. Massive number of, of uh, pardon the expression, brown people flooding over our border and bringing fentanyl and crime with them and disease and everything else. And, um, and that's designed to make people scared, you know, and make them go yeah. for their guns. Right. So but I, I guess, you know, the question is, is that working at all? And it sounds to me like, no, it's not really working, is it? At least not. in No, your I
1: mean, no. And deer season's coming up. We mm-hmm. have, we're in Houston right now, but actual season's a couple weeks away. Mm-hmm. You don't even see them in, you'll see them in their camo and their orange, but, you know, dressing like they're ready to go start World War Three. Nope. Right. You don't see their rifle. I mean, they may have their rifle in their press, but you don't see any of, for the lack of a better term, tractor wrap. how we're portrayed going on. That don't happen here. (laughs) Okay. It just really don't.
2: Yeah.
0: So you wrote another blog called Blood on the Missouri Legislature's Hands. And um, you begin with a quote from Abe Lincoln that says, to sin by silence when they should protest makes cowards of men. Um, That's a very interesting quote. So let's talk about that for a moment because – you hit upon a few themes in that in that blog that are, uh, I think, worthy of discussion. For starters, uh, you point the finger at the Missouri legislature that's catering to the gun lobby and allowing free and unfettered access to guns it's going so far, as we talked about earlier, nullifying gun regulations or federal gun regulations with the SOPA, which is a, a Second Amendment Protection Act, which, by the way, is about a year ago now. I think uh, 60 Minutes did a, uh, a special on that. And it also prevents police departments in the state from cooperating with the FBI, the ATF, the DEA, et cetera. What do you, if, just looking at this for what it is in your, in your blog here, what in your mind motivates is the motivation behind Moleg doing this? Uh, Missouri legislature, what's their motivation behind it besides money? I mean, you know, there's money coming
1: in. But, uh, well, um, yeah, money, but you know, it, it's, I think if this ballot doesn't measure, they're hoping that they can create more of an army of civilians.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Honestly, and I know that sounds absolutely insane. No,
0: nothing's too insane again, these days. Goes-
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think it's their way of saying, hey, if we can arm these folks, we'll have an army ready for us. Should mm. we decide to succeed from the union or the Fed oversteps its bounds? Wow. You know, like I said, I. I honestly think they're itching to pick a fight, yeah. and i I think part of that law was to so they could armor themselves in order to pick one.
0: Wow, yeah, I can just see state of Missouri versus United States. that'll be a very short war because first thing happen is that happens is people yeah. like me will just walk away from it and you'll end up with like maybe you know <laughs> twenty guys left with their pea shooters and uh, up against you know big old tanks and stuff. I mean, it's an exaggeration, obviously. But um, what, what can we ordinary citizens do about it? I mean, we can make noise at the state capitol. Uh, and I've been I've been out there in the street, you know, making noise, uh, protesting the right, uh, protesting right in front of the, some of these leaders, including Nick Shore, But it only seems to solidify their resolve. You know, I'd seen Nick Shore get in his red pickup truck and zoom, just go right by us. We could vote them out, but then, another person will just take their place so how do we rewire the system all together you know how do we how do we get traction with with uh, getting rid of some of these crazy gun laws out there
1: well first off overall i think we need to really start connecting back to our neighbors mm-hmm. and try to fight the pro- this huge propaganda machine that the GOP has had going on for at least 20 years yeah That's going to be the first thing to tackle. And it's a monster of a machine too. Yeah, it Um, is, yeah. And, you know, if you can start kind of finding that common ground with folks, you can kind of ease your way through and then say, Hey, that, okay, we have this common ground, what about that dude? Mm -hmm. Does that represent you? And if they say no, okay, you have an ally. And then it just slowly progresses into something else and not necessarily in a bad way, but it allows, you know, to see their solidarity because with enough angry people, people like Mary Elizabeth Coleman or Nick or my favorite Ben Baker, Mm -hmm. you know, um, they lose their power because people are no longer scared of them. And that's what they're thriving on, is the fact that they think they want us to be scared of them yeah. rather than be more scared of us. Yeah. So I think kind of flipping the switch on them and flipping the script completely, you know, is something we need to do, and
2: mm-hmm.
1: as like a whole state, and just slowly start community with community, you know.
0: But how do you um. In terms of like restructuring the system, I'm thinking like a bigger picture right here, because what happens in situations like, well, what we just talked about, where, where you know, Democrats don't even show up. Um, I mean, it, at some point, don't you think we need to also restructure the system? I'm, I'm, yeah, these, now, these are the progressive ideas, like you know, ranked choice voting or um, open primaries. And, you know, we had this thing called Clean Missouri, which was a, a proposal or actually was an amendment some time ago, which Missouri legislature finally, you know, unwound it basically, but it was supposed to ensure that the gerrymandering was fair, et cetera. Um, yeah. Do you think we need to like rewire and to take like more progressive ideas, like like ranked choice voting or something like that?
1: Yeah, I I do. I mean, and I think it, once people actually understood it, they would be get more people to get on board with it because mm-hmm. it's just. They're so used to the way things are now. And down here in the Ozarks, people aren't really fond of change, Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs)
1: but, you know, I think the biggest thing is, you know, getting something like that out there and getting people to understand, Hey, this is betterment for you and not so much, you know, it's not a political ploy. This is to give us more options.
0: Yeah. You know, I think there are states like Alaska candidates. that have that have done this already that there could be a, a really good precedent because Alaska is, is classically conservative and I, and I don't I don't mean in the modern term of the word conservative but I mean really conservative and they've just recently put ranked choice voting in place they put in something called top four open primaries in place as well those are really good ideas I think these are things that maybe you know people, not just people in the rural area but everybody across the spectrum re- needs to take a look at this and see what's happening and see how it, you know, helps to keep the crazies out of political office.
1: Yeah. And yeah. you know, I I think more the more our crazies that are currently sitting in office tend to show their rear ends, more people realize how crazy they are. <laughs> yeah. And they need options. And I think a lot of people I know down here don't they're very very isolated mm-hmm and i mean we don't have any options at all i mean we've got gop and independent that's yeah. our county seat wow <laughs> you know who are inherently gop and it's like really
0: <laughs> wow single party rule yeah. essentially
1: yeah mm-hmm. it, it's one party in district 8 across the board, and you know so our biggest fight is trying to get people to understand, you know, hey, let's get a system that gives us more options and, you know, to mm-hmm. better our situation. Yeah. But okay. that's going to be the biggest fight.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, getting the crazies out, I mean, that's... that's <laughs> we, we actually talked to Marcus <laughs> Flowers. I don't know if you know who he is, but he's the Democratic contender going against Marjorie Taylor Greene in the, I think it's the first district of Georgia, we had him on the show here about uh, six or seven months ago, I think, um, and I just hope he can pull it off because, uh, you know, I, I mean, let's face it, there's a lot of really good GOP people out there. I, I'm not going to diss the whole party or anything like that, but the MAGA Republicans are the ones we got to get rid of. Uh, these, those are the crazy ones, and um, that that's uh, it's got to be a multi-pronged approach, I guess, and what you're saying, too, is connecting with your neighbors, getting getting uh, discussions going. H- how do you connect with your neighbors there, though? I mean, how do you, uh, is it like Sunday after church or something like that at, at the picnic? I mean, I got this, um, this sort of romantic um, <laughs> Norman Rockwell painting in my picture looking at something like that, but is that how it works?
1: Well, sometimes family functions, church is a big thing. Not so much for me, but, you know, other folks, because it's like the heart of these little communities. That mm-hmm. is full functions. Um, sometimes if they need help, you go over and you help them and you connect that way. And, you know, if you're hauling hay, go help them haul hay, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just kind of whatever. It's not, there's no formal settings There's it's just, Hey, do you need help? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Would you like some, you know, want to have a beer or yeah, let's do this? Yeah. You know, so it's just very Small community minded. I mean, I took my daughter to the doctor the other day. Nothing major, sinus, but uh mm-hmm. her doctor actually asked me about some ballot measures because she's seen my pen.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I've got a row, row, row your vote pen
2: oh, that I okay. have on my
1: hippie bag. Mm-hmm. And she caught it and she's like, What is on the ballot this year? And oh, I would wow. tell her okay. and she's like, Ew, <laughs>
2: Yeah. Wow. I don't
1: like those because And then she was talking about all the pigtails, and I'm like, I agree with you. There are a lot of pigtails. I was like, but please vote no down the board. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. like, except for Amendment Amendment Three, that's you know, leave that up to your best judgment.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, well, but I was like, the rest of them, no. Yeah,
0: Amendment Three is the uh, is the uh, marijuana uh, amendment. Is that correct? And then yeah, and then no on everything else. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's one that that's um, it's interesting. There's one that could rewire our constitution. That's uh, uh, whether or not Missouri should have a constitutional convention, and we focused on that quite a bit over the last few weeks. Here, I think it's an intriguing idea, and the way that it works is that um, you basically have non-office holders meeting to create uh, either a new constitution, which is pretty ambitious, or just a series of of amendments to the current constitution which is more doable. And that comes up every 20 years in Missouri. And there's like 44 states out there that have the possibility of doing constitutional conventions. And by law, it comes up every 20 years in Missouri, although the Missouri legislature can also uh, hold or actually compel a constitutional convention, which they would never do because none of them get to sit in the constitutional convention itself. It has to be non-office holders. So it's it's an interesting idea and I I uh, I'm tempted to vote yes on that one just to see what happens but I'm I'm quite sure it's going to go down in flames yeah. overall though because it's yeah. uh, it's a very it's a big change.
1: Uh, yeah, but uh, is, if our legislative body was actually different, I wouldn't have a problem with having a convention. Mhm. But it, our legislative body isn't. And yeah. Does it work, and you know, and it's like they'll do anything I don't put anything past them at this point i yeah. mean of course i'm it the this is coming from somebody who you know lost her right to privacy and bought it. It tells me I'm a second class citizen, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go, you know
0: yeah you, you um, don't trust them at all so, at this point, right
1: no, I don't yeah. and just because I'm leery of it. I mean, that's up to you, but yeah. I would vote no.
2: Yeah. At,
1: at least in, maybe in 20 years we can have a better group of people in there and that actually care. Because we bo- all know how that would work is because we're so gerrymandered and Republican-controlled, like, across the board. And mm-hmm. I'm not dogging all the Republicans either. There mm-hmm. are some good – ones out there All right. um, but within our state those delegates yeah they might be Democrat but they might not be well it's it's uh,
0: it would be an even split actually because each there's 34 districts 34 Senate districts in Missouri and each district uh, each party within each district gets to nominate one person and each district uh, votes in a total of two people so that mathematically almost works out to be an even split between Democrats and Republicans, uh, with maybe a sprinkling of, of some other political parties. There's the Libertarians, the Greens, and the Conservatives, which are other accepted parties in Missouri. So that would be, I think, uh, a pretty even split there. However, you have, in addition to that, 15 at-large seats. And those are the ones that are going to be the, the, the deciders, for the lack of a better term. They're the ones that are going to be sitting in the fulcrum position there and making those big decisions. And if they, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, if if the MAGA Republicans manage to put a majority of people into those at-large positions, uh, this thing could go sideways pretty quickly. But at the end of the day, though, everybody votes at, at the very end. I mean, when they're done with all their work with the Constitution, it comes back up to a vote for all the people across the state. So it's uh, it's got some checks and balances in there, but um, yeah, I, I see your hesitation too. It, it in fact, I don't think any state has actually voted for it um, since uh, I think Rhode Island did it back in nineteen eighty six, and Hawaii actually voted for it in nineteen ninety four, I believe, but the Hawaiian Supreme Court overrode the people's vote <laughs> and 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 canceled out any sort of a constitutional convention which is really bizarre story behind that. But um, anyways, we got to wrap this up here. Uh, we, we've talked a lot about your blog right here. Uh, I'd like to give you an opportunity to, to uh, publicize that. Uh, tell us about your blog. Where, where is it? Where can people get a hold of it? And it um, looks like you have um, a whole lot of articles on there already.
1: Hi. Yeah. Some of them are my letters to the editor that I had started out with that I have been officially published. Mm-hmm. In the local newspaper. Nothing major, but you know, major for me. hmm Yeah. Um, they can find it at let me pull that link up
0: real quick. Well, I think it's Jojo Beans M O. Isn't that is that what it is? Jojo yeah. Beans M O yeah, Oh, go ahead. Yep. Oh yeah. It that's what it is. Okay. So it's J O J O B E A N S M O dot. Wix site. That's W I X S I T E dot com. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, cool. Where'd you get the beans from? Jojo Beans. What's that all about?
1: I have been called Jojo Beans all my life. Oh, okay. Jojo Beans. And I just, when I was younger, I hated it. Just absolutely hated it. Now I'm just like, "Eh, okay, I'll roll with it. You're
0: embracing it now that you got kids of your own. Now you're embracing it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, "Eh, might as well. You know. So.
0: Okay, well it's uh, com. Yeah, interesting articles there. I really enjoy reading them.
1: Well, thank you. So, and they're not as easy. They, they're not easy to write either.
0: <laughs> no, I've I learned that a long time ago. Writing is not easy. I I used to write a lot. I actually, wrote a lot of technical articles and got those published. And um, I I tried publishing a blog like in a on a consistent basis. That is really hard to do. Now I just work on the on the podcast every week, which is a good enough challenge for me. <laughs> but uh, it's a, it's actually a little bit easier to do a podcast than it is to write something really good. So, um, so I'm taking the lazy way out, I guess. Anyways, uh, no, we no. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say now it,
1: it's still, still a lot of work behind the production.
0: So yeah, yeah, it is a lot of it goes on behind the scenes. We've been talking with Jojo Stewart, rural resident of the Ozarks, a mom, a blogger, and a recent political activist. Jojo, thank you very much for joining us on Democracy on the Move today.
1: Well, thank you for having me.
0: And everybody, remember that we vote this coming Tuesday, November 8th. So get ready to go. And that's it. Thanks, Jojo.
1: All right. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to Democracy on the Move, a tribute to all those people and organizations who dare to reimagine our nation and drive it back to its original promise of democracy. Please tune in each week where we will feature guests and topics that will help keep you in touch with our march toward a more perfect union. If you have any questions or suggestions, or if you'd like to sponsor future episodes, well, we'd love to hear from you. Just send us an email at info at democracyonthemove.org or contact us on our webpage at democracyonthemove.org contact. Democracy on the Move is all one word. Theme music, Murky Waters, performed by El Rey Music, used under license from Shutterstock. I'm Dan Schaefer, your host for today's podcast, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in. It's been my pleasure to be with you today. Please have a safe week ahead, and we hope you'll tune in again next week.